Welcome back to Ghostly Talk. This is Scott L. This is Amber. Hope you all had a good Halloween. Yeah, and by the time this is posted, which will be Wednesday, it'll be the day after election day. Oh, God. Oh. So I, at, at this point... Well, if that's the case, it we, was a good run, and we <laughs> hope everybody has a nice time in the post-apocalyptic future. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah no, yeah. Are, are we are we there yet? Are you guys in the post-apocalyptic? Like, I don't know, because yeah, we're doing this on Sunday. Yeah, we're not <laughs> we're making any predictions Sunday. either. I have no idea how this we're is going to go. We're in the past go. right now. <laughs> I know I'm on vacation till Wednesday, uh, and so uh, I'm just going to be keeping a Real close eye on the house here, I guess. Um, we're all in this together, people. That's I bet all I'm dinosaurs say. make a comeback. Would that be? What? And you know, the funny thing about that is, like, dinosaurs in Detroit. Like Tuesday at like, <laughs> mid, like, like, let's say Wednesday min, midnight, Wednesday or Tuesday night or whatever. Pterodactyl. Like, like I, yeah, we look out the front window and like, yeah, a pterodactyl comes walking <laughs> by. Honestly, at this point, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> All right, you know what? Sky's the limit these days. I don't care anymore. Fine. Hey, pterodactyl. Want a hamburger? I mean, I would just go out there and say hi to him and probably get thrashed in half. But you get picked up and eaten and dropped on your neighbor's roof. Yeah, yeah, or thrown. Like body parts would just, just start falling on Brad's roof. Yeah, you just see my, my chubby legs yeah. just flying through the... Through <laughs> the just, uh, there's, oh, wow, his leg just landed on Brian. The then you're trending roof. on Twitter. And I'm trending on Twitter. Yeah, yeah that, that's, that, that's so... Well, well, if that's going on on Wednesday... Oh, good luck out there. That's right. That's our prediction for Wednesday dinosaurs. is that dinosaurs are coming back. Yeah. They're coming back, uh, and they're pissed. Yeah. And they've had enough of this. Um, yeah. Well, if you're interested in things from the past, they're gonna we have sh- a they're cool gonna show, They're going to show up in a truck. Go ahead, Amber. We got Stephen Myers on. Yeah. Speaking of the past. Speaking of the past. Speaking of the past. Speaking of the past. Queen of Segways. Dude. Well, yeah. And before we get to that, uh, Yeah, I want to mention Veranormal. Yeah, let's talk about those guys uh, again, because that's super cool. So on the last episode, we mentioned Veranormal that our buddy Keith Clark has painstakingly put together after- yes. Spending a lot of time trying to find the right software to create a new forum for people who are of the paranormal sort. Who are downtrodden and off their, and down on their luck. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just, I know a lot of you are probably tired of the arguments and social bitterness that you see media. on social media. Yeah. And I really do feel that there's going to be a return to the forum-based platform. And this platform, veranormal.com, they have, it's really awesome. I just made an account on there, and anyone can make an account for free. They just did a soft launch on October 29th, yeah. and you don't need to pay to be part of this. No. They are going to introduce a um, subscription level, subscription level yeah. so you yeah. have more access to do more things within the software, Yeah. but if you, like, like have your own blog. So if you're someone that does not want to mess with WordPress or any other type of blogging website and you just want to post your thoughts and opinions and write something a little more substantial than, you know, the couple sentences you get out on Twitter or other things. Yeah. Yeah. You can go make an account at Vera Normal and just start your own thing. Yeah. And anyone can read it because they don't need the pay. But if you really enjoy it, it's going towards a good cause because Keith has a lot of costs. He's not just trying to sit there and like become rich. I'm going to make rich off these forms. Yeah. That's Keith. Not really. That was not Keith. He's, Why does he sound like a Texas I, oil dealer? Well, he's in Florida. But he sounds like a Texas oil <laughs> dealer. I just, I just saw the big hat, the big bucket, like well, hat. I know. People, I, I know sometimes. going to make me rich. Well, here's the thing. I, the only reason I'm saying this is because I know a lot of times in the paranormal, we're, you were used to our shucksters and people like that that are trying to make a quick buck this off This is the real deal. Stuff. No, There's, when you operate things like people. a forum or even like our podcast, there are costs involved. Yeah, and we pay for all of it and we don't. Yeah, and well, if you appreciate yeah. what you're, if you appreciate it, you don't, usually you don't mind throwing a few bucks at it to keep it going. Yeah. 
and Except for ghostly cool talks, we just don't care. We just get, we just do we these just shows. Pay, we like we just the pay the bills. This is a passion project. <laughs> just and we, pay it. I, well, the thing with that, and people have asked us that before. They're like, "Why don't you guys like have a Patreon or, that, or something I'm, like that?" And I'm like, "I'm just simply too lazy to do it. I'd rather just pay Patreon the bill." Patreon is a lot of work because you have to continually offer content that is exclusive to that website yeah. to make people people to make people make, to make, make people, people to, feel. To people? that they are getting something for their money. So if, like, for example, us, if we were to do a Patreon, we'd have to do specific shows and live feeds maybe or something. And I, I don't want to do live anymore. And I, 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 I just, I don't think people think we're that cool enough to have a Patreon. <laughs> I don't think that either. I, I just frankly don't think I that think either. People I, are I, used to getting ghostly talk for free, and that's that. And well, and that's what well, and I, I have. I, I won't lie. I have thought about setting up an Amazon wish list and then putting books on there. And if you want to buy us a book oh, <laughs> to add to my mountain of books. Can I put records on there? Yeah. Like, I thought that would be kind of cool. Like, you want to throw a gift at us or something and send us, like, you know, hey, thanks for well, hours you know of what? great content. No. Here's a book. No, I, even that. <laughs> I don't need it though. I don't need that. That's no, not you incentive. only just mentioned it on the air. Whatever. Yeah. Throw it out. I there. I don't need it though. But I'm just. I'm just throw it out know. there. <laughs> this is in our, in our trade. How can I get more in, books? in the trade? This is referred to as planting the seed. How can I get more books? Yeah. In my and, collection? And, and you know what? As a matter of fact, I'm putting a kibosh on this right now. People <laughs> listening to this, don't do it. Don't fall for it because I, I can't move in this house as it is right now. <laughs> There's books everywhere, and someone's going to get hurt one of these days. Oh, so no, no more no. books. So we're done with that. Anyway. Check out verynormal.com. Make a free account. Start participating. It doesn't Do it. matter what topic you want to start. Do it. Exp- like, you want to ask, start something about spirit photography. Right now, because Keith is heavily involved in ITC research, yeah. there's a lot of ITC stuff. People, I think a lot of ITC people made accounts on there initially. Or have. Well, so there's a lot of... already said, he's kind of... That's, yeah, that's, that's, that's the his wheelhouse, thing and that's his, right? that, yeah. that's his peeps. So they've that's already gone on there and made blog posts and done other stuff. And um, But anyway, it's a really, really slick platform. It's, it's beautiful looking. It's nice. It's, it's clean. Nice. It's organized. It's friendly. It's peaceful. It's not angry like all the other social media platforms. So... It's not harsh looking like the one, the devil's website itself we know of. Who's the devil? There's multiple devil's well, platforms. It starts with F. Yeah, I don't think that's a harsh website. It's evil. Okay. There's well, fire I think it's and clean brimstone looking. everywhere. Uh, anyway, evil. check out veranormal.com. It's V-A-R-A. You're hearing me right. Veranormal.com. Yeah. Uh, online community, forum, website, blog. It's all rolled into one. So check it out. Go there now. The mighty Stephen Myers Yay. was nice enough to come and spend time with us. And I've been wanting to speak to this guy for a long time. Uh, and this was a real pleasure. Uh Getting into, you know, and we haven't, I mentioned this, you'll hear this in a few minutes and I'll mention it again. Um, you know, we haven't had uh, a lot of stuff talking about Egyptology and the pyramids, which is one of my all time favorite subjects when it comes to just studying it's, weird stuff. It's come up a bit like when Nick, Nick, Nick Redfern, my God, Nick, man, when Nick Redfern was on. <laughs> we've been, we've been, I was stuttering what earlier. What the hell? You when, know, that's the thing. About, that's the thing. Like <laughs> certain people, and I, and I, neck I don't, Redford, <laughs> neck, neck Redford, professional wrestler, yeah. Neck Redford. Yeah. I, one thing I want to. That's the thing. It's, <laughs> the it, neck. We've had all kinds of snafus today. <laughs> when I get somebody like when we have somebody like Stephen Myers here, I I'll flat out say this. I'll be honest. I get a bit nervous. I get nervous to talk to brilliant people like Stephen, and I you can hear it probably hear it in my voice, and I, I'm being transparent about this stuff right now. I'm, I actually thought you person. seemed a little flustered, and I didn't. I was like, "Why is Scott just not awake?" 
So maybe that's why. No, no, no. Oh. I, 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 I didn't know you were that like, oh. Uh, oh. Can I get an autograph? Yeah. No, I was, no, and I. And I fanboy. But of course you get warm and we start talking and it's fun. But I, yeah, I'm totally, yeah, th- th- that happens to me every once in a mm. while. And this is one of those days, but you know what? It always pans out. And that's what I love about this show and love doing this show is we always have a great time with the people we have on here, right? And we talked a bit with Steven about that after the show for a bit and, and those ideas and. I, it, I don't know why I'm going down this tangent, but it's it's a it's a it is really a pleasure and a blessing to be able to keep doing this show for you guys out there because and and if you, you don't get to see the background of what we're doing, um, it's it's a lot of fun. It's no different than what you're hearing right now, right? I think that sometimes what you hear from from something and what really is happening in the background are two different things, and that's not the case here. Uh, and we're really lucky to speak to people like Stephen Myers, right? Um, so. We're going to be talking about the Pharaoh's Pump Foundation with Stephen Myers. I guarantee you, you're going to love this. So Stephen Myers is the author of two books. His first book is titled Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid, and his second is The Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine. He's an author, lecturer, and independent researcher, and he's studied the Great Pyramid for over 20 years to understand how this ancient wonder of the world was built and why. His research included traveling to Egypt to conduct ex- extensive on-site research at the Giza Plateau. Stephen Myers has written numerous magazine articles and given many lectures on the subject of the Great Pyramid, compiling his research into two books which provide a comprehensive and detailed explanation of how the Great Pyramid was built and why. And we talk about this a lot on his site. Well, of course, we'll have it linked up. But he has also founded a nonprofit foundation dedicated in, to understanding how and why the Great Pyramid was built. The mission of this foundation is to redevelop these ancient but advanced technologies to help our modern but troubled world. The foundation's website is at www.thepump.org. And Stephen lives in southwestern Oregon with his wife and two dogs. Enjoy the rough, show. Rough, rough. Rough, rough. covered this well you know i should say this that how when we're taping this this is actually november 1st so i want to say happy i hope everybody had a good halloween as good as it could be this year <laughs> so i hope everybody enjoyed themselves right um coming out of halloween though um i this is a subject well i mean this is a very broad subject we're going to talk about tonight and it's something we really haven't talked about enough here on ghostly talk at least you know in the last few years and i was i really wanted to start getting into these subjects again i mean it's on the great pyramids but we're going to get very specific here though too about things uh, and i with that i do want to uh uh introduce mr stephen myers here thank you stephen i really do appreciate you spending some time here with us and having a chat here thanks for coming on the show well, thank you, Scott and Amber, for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Oh, it's in the, uh, the honors on both sides here. We, uh, I appreciate your work, and I've followed you uh, for a number of years, so it's really cool to talk to you here. Now, um, I know we're going to be getting very specific about these things, and I mean, I've had, I think like a lot of people, Stephen, myself, and of course yourself too, I think we 
the great pyramids, the pyramids in Giza, they 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 just capture something with that we all. How do I how do I say this? I'm trying to get this the right way. They're just really cool. <laughs> They're just super they, cool, right? <laughs> Sorry, oh, they are. I think that they are. Everyone, it seems like, at one time or another, has some type of interest or fascination with uh, those ancient monuments. Yeah, uh, and I mean, I've spent a number of years when I was younger studying. I mean, like a lot of people doing amateur, you know, amateur Egyptology and stuff like that, just reading books and studying things and watching TV shows and whatnot. Um, obviously, you kind of went next level with these things. Um, I, but I do want to ask, you know, uh, what got you, what, what, what sparked your interest with the Great Pyramid? Well, uh, my background is of a technical nature, um, I electronics, uh, amateur radio operator, first class commercial, yeah. FCC license, and some other degrees and that type of thing. So mm-hmm. when I look at things, I look at them on a technical level, and the Great Pyramid is a 45-story skyscraper yeah. that, was built, that was built in ancient times. So uh, it uh, fascinated me, a lot of uh, ancient yet it's seemingly very high technology associated with the Great Pyramid. But I wasn't interested in, like, God, ancient gods or the pharaoh or any of that. I was more interested in the technical aspects of how it was constructed yeah. and uh, wh- why they went to such an effort. So that's, uh, that's where I got into uh, my direction of research. You know, and I have to say that that's where I'm at with this stuff, too. I, I I think there's a whole different side of people who study Egyptology, of course, that they're obviously uh, interested in the, the societal aspects, obviously the rituals, and all that stuff like that, which I do find very interesting. But when it comes to the Great Pyramids, yeah, for me, it's always been this more of a technical approach I've, I've taken to them. I mean, I want to know how the hell, you know, how they were built. I, I think that's the great question we all have is like, how do they do this? Thing? How do they pull this off? Right. Um, and that leads it as it has led you down, I'm sure, down a lot uh, of paths of this technical nature you're talking about. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's I think where we're all trying to figure <laughs> out here. <laughs> is, you know, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I guess based on that, then. I, and obviously, you're the Pharaoh's Pump Foundation is what we're going to talk about here. So, let's, can you tell me a little bit about that to, to get us going? Yes, it is a five hundred one c three nonprofit foundation uh, that I founded, mm-hmm. dedicated to understanding how and why the Great Pyramid was built, and it's also uh, to redevelop ancient high technologies to help our modern but troubled world and our website is at thepump.org so that's that's what we're about and they can go to our website and see our um mission statement and our activities and that type of thing Mm -hmm. um and as i've already said this is that's what the goal is here with you guys is to and what i do like though what you what you just mentioned is how we build things now and I mean, I guess we can. It's easy for me to kind of do the whole get off my lawn thing with with that and say, well, they don't make things like they used to make back in the day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. but the, when it comes to the Great Pyramid or the you know the, the pyramids of Giza, th- we don't. I don't. I mean, it's. I don't think it's ever really been duplicated as far as as far as how it was built. Go ahead, Amber. You see, new strip mall 
places built that are falling apart after like five years. They look bad, like the the false brick, the fake bricks already chipping off, and then these things have just been like there, sitting there, <laughs> sitting there, stolen. They're still there. You know, survive. They, they, Go ahead. Go ahead, yeah, Stephen. They are there, and it's it's amazing. That's for sure. We don't build them like that anymore. No, no, we don't. And you mentioned, you know, bringing back this idea of ancient buildings, you know, building to, techniques and stuff like that. If, if I may just interject something here, I mean, and I'm sure you've heard every theory there is out there, and I may not be much different, but I've been saying this for a very long time when it comes to the, the, the pyramids at Giza. Um, there's no doubt in my mind at this point um, that I think that people built them. I, I think that the power of ingenuity and collaboration, I, I do it professionally every day. And when you get enough people together with the same goal and they're directed towards one thing where their energy is going towards that, right? You can do amazing mm-hmm. things. You can, and you can build something like the Great Pyramid, right? Um, however, go ahead. Were you going to say something, Stephen? Yes. There's, there, because the Great Pyramid, it seems to have some very, very high technology. People, Some people say that, oh, aliens did it. But if you say aliens did it, you are also saying ancient people weren't smart enough to do it. And even the people that say aliens did it mm-hmm. don't go, they can't, they can't actually follow their own line of reasoning to where it concludes. So, okay. yeah, I also think that ancient people were geniuses and built these pyramids. Well, what about this idea, though, Stephen? Um, as I've already said, people, I, I, and it's my opinion, of course, I believe that people built the pyramids. I think our, our people, just like us, back then built them. However, what if somebody else designed them, though? I mean, and that's not saying that the, that pe- our, the people here um, are, not, are not smart, right? But what if, what if they had some help? Let's put it that way. I mean, what is your thought on that? Well, that's a possibility um, to, to be sure that maybe people got a hold of some ancient alien technology yeah. and used it to build these pyramids for some, for some reason or other. That's yeah. a possibility. So yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. that's something to consider. Yeah, no, totally. And that's, and, and that's what I've thought about. I'm like, okay, I, as I've said already, I, and I like really driving that point home though, is I, I, I believe people did build them. I believe that if you have enough people, again, that can direct their energy like that, you can do amazing things. Um, that's true, but maybe, maybe just maybe they had a little help from somebody and said, well, you know, we can give you a hand here. You guys can do the, you know, can build it, but we'll kind of show you how to, you know, how it's designed and stuff like that. And that's just kind of what my idea maybe like, you know, we built it, but maybe somebody else, somebody else possibly designed it or maybe helped our people design it. I mean, it could be, it could have been a collaborative effort just like that between us. And I, I mean, I guess we will say aliens, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it could have been a collaboration at the time. That's that's a possibility. Yeah, it's. But it is. I ask people, mm-hmm. I ask people, why would aliens come all the way from somewhere like Orion, come all the way to the Earth mm-hmm. and stack rocks? Why would they stack rocks on top of each other? And yeah. you never get a coherent answer for that. And no, and you're, and that's. Yeah, I mean, what I'm saying, I mean, when I'm, why I'm bringing this up is just for discussion at all. I mean, it isn't really, I'm just, it's food for thought for me, right? But oh, that's, yeah. But that's a, that's, a, that's a really interesting point. Like, why would? And that's, I guess that's why, you know, that's where you start, try to start pe- peeling back the young, the young in here, I guess, is mm-hmm. um, where, yeah, why would a, a race of people who have the ability to travel space it, you know, obviously fast enough to go very, very, very long distances in a short amount of time. 
why would they spend why would they come all the way from wherever <laughs> they're from to stack some rocks <laughs> it's, it's true I, I agree with you on that 100 percent. but as far as the pharaoh's pump foundation i mean as far as the research you're doing um I, I, well yeah i mean you know what is the focus of the research i guess i mean we we kind of know what the idea is what the mission statement is but i mean what is the scope of that well, we want to give glory and honor to the ancient geniuses who built the Great Pyramid. Mm-hmm. And we want to do that by understanding what they did, in other words, how it was built, and understand why they would spend so much time, effort, and resources to make this great big pointed building. And that's that's what we want to do. And we think that that big pointed building was not just built uh, at an expense, but it was a wise investment and they built it and got a huge return on investment. And, uh, we want to build similar technology in modern times to receive the same type of huge return on investment to provide prosperity for us, mm-hmm. just as the great pyramid provided prosperity for those who built it. Well, now you now go ahead, Amber. Well, I, I just, just a couple years ago, or like end of 2018, and I'm sure you know this, Stephen, that there was a study that revealed the Great Pyramid can focus electromagnetic energy. And they were going to go and test this. And I don't know what the results were, but I know that they were saying that there, this could have like potential use for creating future technology. Like the article I'm looking at says, such as nanoparticles that may be used for uh, to develop sensors in highly efficient solar cells. And this is published in the Journal of Applied Physics. So I think mm-hmm. it's interesting that so many, for so many decades and forever, people have had these different <laughs> opinions on what the pyramid, what the function of the Great Pyramid was. Because, yeah. you know, we think, oh, they're just giant tombs because the pharaohs had giant egos. And, but they never found, <laughs> they never found a body in that particular pyramid, yeah, from what I understand. At least yeah. one that wasn't stolen or, you know, maybe someone was in there, but Tomb Raiders. And so I find it interesting that all of these researchers that have said the pyramid does something else. It generates electricity. There's a function to it. And then research like this starts to come out to show all these people or to prove out that all these people that have been saying this for so long are sort of on the right path and may be correct in the long yeah, run, yeah. which I love. That is correct. Uh, for quite a while, a hundred years, the last hundred years, Egyptologists have said that the Great Pyramid and the pyramids in general were tombs for dead people. Certainly, they were very ineffective. How do long open passages and sliding stones and doors on pivots protect the pharaoh's body and treasure? Yeah. And yeah. there's no coherent answer for that. But there's a revolution of ideas now that the Great Pyramid and other pyramids functioned and served some sort of a purpose that benefited the people that built it. And that's that's more of the direction that I'm going yeah. and others that these pyramids served a function that were either infrastructure or machines that did something instead of just being a total waste of time and energy and just being a big tombstone to show robbers where the treasure was. So yeah. <laughs> uh, we, we give credit to the ancient people yeah. and think that they did something very smart by building the Great Pyramid. Well, and let's step back to this. You mentioned a couple minutes ago this this what you said this return on investment for for you know for building something like this 
Uh, Amber mm-hmm. mentioned what she mentioned, but I'm curious um, to, to discuss this with you. What do you what, what do you think they're? I mean, what? I, I, why? Again, we're, this is the problem with this. The problem with this subject right here, Stephen, is I always fall back on well, why the hell did they build a thing? It, it always comes back on that same question, right? Um, yes. But, I mean, but this return on investment. I mean, what's the return on investment? I guess that's the, the direct question I have to ask on that. What is this? What are they getting out of this this massive structure they built? Every, everything we do is based on a return on investment. You know, yes. you, you you eat you eat breakfast. It provides a return on investment. It gets you to lunch. Yes, sir. Okay. You know, you go, you buy a hammer and it is provides a return on investment. You can hammer in nails much easier with a hammer than with your fist. <laughs> so everything has a return on investment. But yes, the Great Pyramid had a huge return on investment in that, believe it or not, I think that it was built uh, to be a massive a uh, monumental functioning water pump. Okay. So, mm-hmm. I'm obvious. Go ahead, Amber. You guys no, I was say, so do you believe with that being a water pump that just like, um, what am I thinking of? Uh, dams or whatever, whatever creates electricity. Why am I blanking? Yeah. Like water wheels. Yeah, yeah, thank yeah, you. Yeah, Hydroelectric. Yeah. So yeah. do you believe that's what its purpose was then with the water? Well, the water, of course, would have been used for irrigation year-round oh, irrigation yeah, 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 yeah. which would have been very handy but yep. also they could power heavy machinery yep. certainly generate electricity they could uh, make uh, compressed air which is used for a lot of industrial and scientific purposes and a whole host of things so you can do a lot with uh, with uh, pumped water if you will a hydroelectric dam all it does is make electrons go through a wire but we run our computers, our machinery, uh, factories, and everything. So, yeah, the, the Great Pyramid, all it does is make water go through a big pipe. But that water is used for a whole host of purposes. I see the Giza Plateau as a scientific center and industrial park mm-hmm. instead of some sort of cult mausoleum or anything like that. And it's Well, the question I have with that, though, just an idea is if this if the Great Pyramid was was a giant water pump, right? Um, yes. I guess the question, you know, and this this comes this may be a more of a technical uh, natured question too is why would they have to make a pyramid? I guess, and again, I'm I'm spitballing this big time, but um, why couldn't it, they? Well, I mean, I guess it may have just been a matter of engineering back then, though, too. Because I'm thinking, okay, well, if we have to, if they want to move water. To make to, for a purpose as a pump, right? Why mm-hmm. couldn't they have just made pipes or smaller, like something smaller? Because I mean, the Great Pyramid obviously is just massive. It's it's a huge pl- it's a huge structure. It seems mm-hmm. like they could have maybe. And again, who am I? I'm not an engineer of that sort. I'm just thinking logically. Like it seems like they could have made something a, a lot smaller and probably put a lot less effort into something, right? Uh, unless my idea is if you're moving tons and tons of water, you have to have a very large structure to withstand all that pressure and weight i guess that would be my idea that's that's true also the construction process they used water locks like the erie canal and uh, barges and the four sides of the great pyramid are similar to uh dams that are back to back and the great pyramid was built level by level using water locks uh, the whole the whole thing. So we have a video series that depicts that 
process of how the Great Pyramid was assembled on our website at thepump.org. Okay. So it's it's all interrelated, how it was constructed, why it was constructed, and, and all of that. But, uh, you know, you don't need a great big giant hydroelectric dam to, to make uh, electrons go through a wire, but they, they did. They built massive infrastructure for that type of thing. Mm-hmm. And in modern times and in ancient times, they built massive infrastructure to uh, provide uh, prosperity and yeah. by pumping water. Um, yeah, okay. This is this is freaking me out. <laughs> I think this the, is so cool. The Hoover Dam does the same thing, right? Yeah, it's a dam. Yeah. It's, it's hydroelectric. And well, think about how massive that is. You're, well, you know what? It's it a good point. It, Go ahead, it is massive. I've, I've been there, the Hoover Dam and everything, and it uh, it made uh, Las Vegas possible with cheap electricity. And uh, it uh, turned the desert into a garden. They there we irrigate go. Uh, where they couldn't irrigate before and, and all of that. So it was a, a huge investment, but provided a tremendous return on investment. So it's, uh, it's that type of thing. That's what the, I think the Great Pyramid was for. I, I love that idea. This whole this whole idea of return on investment, and it's it, it's how I've I, I never really gave it a name. Like I mean, I know what a return on investment is, mm-hmm. but I've never really uh, spelled it out like that. And I you know yeah. I think people don't get that in in their daily life about everything they do. Go ahead, Stephen. What are you gonna say? Yeah, right. So it's uh, you know the the original builders weren't just knuckle draggers that made this big monument for some death cult they were they were brilliant people that wanted to improve their own lives and provide prosperity and the great pyramid you know transformed the desert into a garden Mm -hmm. it transformed toil uh, into leisure and it also transformed poverty into prosperity and that's that's what the hoover dam does and that's what uh, the northwest power grid does you know mm-hmm. and uh, all of that that's what the highway system does is it yeah. was an investment but uh, it had a huge return on on investment and uh, so we have in the united states we have a very strong infrastructure you know our sewer system and uh, water supply and uh, that provides prosperity for all of us and that's what they were doing when they built the uh, the great pyramid yeah. you know the the people that built it their kids could eat every day isn't that marvelous because they had prosperity and that's uh, yeah that's the same people are just the same now as they were back then and had the same wants needs desires and goals so uh yeah. the great pyramid's purpose fit fit all of that that's it's such a amber i was just thinking jumping up and well, down over here no i was just thinking that <laughs> the, you have all these smaller pyramids yeah and obviously people were found buried in those like they seem to be genuine tombs but if you have something that's such a symbol of life and provides all of this energy and resources such as the great pyramid what a perfect thing to model your tombs after something that gives life which the egyptians were obsessed with life after death to model your tombs after that which gives eternal life to everybody yeah. you know so it's kind of, i don't know I, I don't know what came first I, I honestly don't know the timeline of when the great pyramid was built versus other pyramid like structures pyramid. yeah because yeah. i know like there's sequoia mm-hmm. or sequoia what's the name wow Mm-hmm. I know that step pyramids, I think, were first. Saqqara. Saqqara, thank you. 
were first, and then like you started coming up with the more smoother sided pyramids. But the step ones seem to be the first yeah. incarnation, at least if that's if my Egyptian history is correct. But <laughs> I don't know. It just made me think of that. Like, just I don't know. It was a weird thought. Yeah, yeah. The sequence of the pyramid construction is under scholarly debate. Egyptologists have some one idea and other people have different ideas. Some say the Great Pyramid was built first and predated all the other See, pyramids. Yeah, yeah. And these other pyramids, smaller pyramids that are of certainly less engineering quality, mm-hmm. uh, were copies, if you will, yeah. for some some reason, either religious or burial. But it's like a cargo cult. And some people think these other pyramids were very similar to a cargo cult. I don't know if you've ever heard of that mm-hmm. yep. term. So uh, okay. when when uh, during World War II, when yeah. a, an advanced, technologically advanced uh, army comes into this uh, isolated culture, like on islands in the South Pacific, a lot of people ended up worshiping the people that came and their cargo, if you will, which is a, a reference to their their prosperity, you know, with food, mm-hmm. spam, and radios and everything else. And then they made copies, like out of palm branches, airplanes, and all of that type of thing. And I think other pyramids certainly could fit that explanation of being part of a cargo cult to try and mimic this other pyramid, just yeah. like you say. Wow. Now, I actually have a copy. I've read. I've read this book. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the man, uh, gentleman named Robert Bavall. Uh, you, do you know who Robert Bavall is, Stephen? I have. I do okay. know who he is. I figured. I figured. I figured you would. Um, he actually wrote a book, if I'm correct, and I read it many years ago, called "The Orion Mysteries." Myst- the Orion Mystery. Yeah. Um, and that, obviously, that is the book where he dives into the idea that the you know the great pyramid and the pyramids and giza are lined up with stars right just to, just to keep it very very vanilla right mm-hmm. um, and i mean i found that book fascinating i found mr Baval fa- fascinating also uh, but th- does this actually and this is an interesting question i mean would this contradict with the with 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 the pharaoh like for, with the pump idea that we're talking about right now would this contradict with that do you think uh, it's an idea that there's these correlations between the Great Pyramid and other pyramids and stars and that yeah. type of thing. And yeah. he he uh, gives gives a uh, written several books and everything. But uh, the two are two explanations of the same direct physical evidence, and and uh, the possibilities are they can both be correct. One or the other can be correct. Or they can both be incorrect. So they're two two separate explanations. I know uh, Baval does not and seemingly cannot explain how the Great Pyramid was assembled. He doesn't even address that, which which no, I find right. interesting. But uh, I, I think this is what I think. I think that a lot of those correlations do not have what they call causation to verify them and there's there's a lot of uh issues with the with the research methods used to determine these correlations that the vents of the great pyramid are not pointing to those stars because of the procession of the equinoxes the grand procession if you will Mm -hmm. so they're pointing away from those stars but they say well back in when the great pyramid was built they were pointing towards them but 
the reality is they pointed towards a lot of different stars through the eons. Well, so, yeah. uh, so, so what you have is two pieces of evidence. You have the vents pointing up and you have, uh, the design where the vents will point away from those stars. So maybe symbolically they were telling us that the great pyramid has nothing to do with Orion. So, so it's hard to say. Yeah. It's really hard to say. Just one other point. A hundred years ago, there was uh, a bunch of people who believed in Great Pyramid Bible correlations. You know, the Bible has a whole bunch of data points, if you will. Mm -hmm. So does the Great Pyramid. So they they came up with a pyramid inch and that the Great Pyramid predicted the birthplace of Jesus and a whole bunch of stuff about Bible prophecy. So uh, that correlation theory has been pretty much rejected except by re religious zealots. Yeah. And uh, the Orion correlation theory has been around for quite a while, but the, it, believe it or not, it's in crisis based on its use of research methods similar to the Great Pyramid Bible correlation. So everything is up to scholarly debate, well, if you will. I don't think there's, <laughs> on that subject, I don't think there's too many things in, in academia uh, aside from the pyramids, they're so widely debated. I mean, I've I've watched a lot of back and forthing on all different. So, I mean, obviously, mm -hmm. we're not Doctor Shock, Doctor Robert Shock, and I'm sure you're familiar with him. Also, that's a very widely oh, yeah. debated that his his whole idea, which I find absolutely fascinating. And I don't want to derail us too much, but I mean, that's a very widely debated idea too. It seems very uh, there's a lot of yeah. churn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. If I can mm -hmm. say, Doctor Robert Shock is a geologist. He studies rocks. Yeah, the Sphinx is made out of rock, and based on his uh, uh, analysis of the Sphinx, it looks like it's been weather eroded. Yeah, uh, yeah. Wa water related weather eroded. Precipitation, eroded, if I can yeah. put it that way. Yes, sir. And then his assessment is that. The Sphinx was much older than what traditional Egyptologists say it was. Mm -hmm. And before his research, Egyptologists said that the Sphinx and the pyramids were contemporary of one another. So it, it also puts doubt as to the, the date of when the pyramids were built. Because if they were contemporaries of one another, they also would be much older than dynastic Egypt. So yeah, he uh, his his research is very good and fascinating, to uh, say the least. And of course, he was viscerated by by oh, Egyptologists. Yeah. Oh God, and, yeah. And character assassination and everything else. So it was terrible, embarrassing. It, so uh, yeah, so watched, so it's all under scholarly debate. Isn't that isn't yeah. that interesting? It's not. None of it is settled science. No. So when when people say, oh well, Egyptologists. Uh, they say something, then be very suspect of that. It's interesting that Egyptologists have never made those precise stones that were on the outside of the Great Pyramid, casing stones. Yeah. They've never made one. They say working people could do it, make them all day long, but they've never made one. They've never moved the largest stones, which were 70 tons. They've never moved a 70-ton payload one inch. Well, and Egypt, Egyptology is the only science that doesn't engage in the scientific method. Right. When wow. when it, when we were just talking about the weather erosion of the Sphinx and, and then the yeah. pyramid uh, possibly being as 
old as the Sphinx, maybe, and not something newer. That if it had, you know, because it had casing on it, the casing well, blocks. The, the original those, idea, yeah. The original idea was it was a perfect, you know, it was a perfect pyramid. Yeah, yeah but so it, over time, though, let's say this is built at the same time as the Sphinx, and it's actually like close to 12,000 plus years mm-hmm, old, mm-hmm. then we don't really, we can't determine what the weathering was maybe on the Great Pyramid because those casing blocks were removed. And right. to make, they, they said they were, a lot of those casing blocks were removed to, to build To mosques. rebuild. Yeah, well, to build. yeah, to do that yeah. And yeah. after there was a huge earthquake and yeah. they grabbed them. So we, we don't know the erosion on that particular stone because of that. And so if, if that was never touched and, and Dr. Robert Shaw could just go up to that pyramid and be like, yep, same thing happened here on the pyramid then that's on the there. Same age, basically. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. It's just, I, I right. love all the things you can think about with this stuff. <laughs> Yes, there's there's a number of variables out there, you know, uh, with uh, the uh, casing stones being removed and uh, and other things. So it's it's hard to say. Let me yeah. put it that way. Well, it, but uh, go ahead, but Steven, research is is advancing. You know, people are rejecting the Egyptology's story of precision stone cutting using just hand tools, which has never been demonstrated. And there's a whole revolution of ideas out there. And it's an exciting time to study this very ancient structure. Well, the thing I'm finding interesting about what we're talking about here, and I'm, I'm drawing these lines, and something you just said, Egyptology is one of the, the only study like this that doesn't engage the scientific method, right? Um, and it makes me think about, and you know, I, and I don't want to say, I, I don't want, I want to come from a place of respect when I say these things to to, to Egyptologists. Um, not necessarily because I'm not afraid. I'm, I'm not afraid of them being mad at me, <laughs> but it's just I do want to come from a place of respect. Truly, uh, it's a it's a fascinating field. But it, it much like you know we we talk a lot a lot about ghosts and stuff on this show. I mean the show is called Ghostly Talk, right? So mm-hmm. we talk a lot about that stuff, and we get into these ideas where you know. And I don't want, again, I'm trying to keep this on point here, but I'm seeing these lines and I'm finding them very interesting. Um, people can just. Amber, we've discussed this plenty of times here. People get somebody can buy an old Victorian house, mm-hmm. and literally we've seen it done. I mean, it's it's kind of it's bad. It's not cool. All of a sudden, they make up a story how there was a murder there, and there's a ghost that, that haunts this house. And here, you can walk through my house for twenty bucks, right? So I call it a manu- <laughs> I call it a manufactured haunt, right? Mm-hmm. You're manufacturing a haunt, right? And, and I mean, I'm not saying that's the that's the deal with Egyptology, but I think this in, the, the the interpretations. Um, I guess, okay, so if you're an Egyptologist and you look at some hieroglyphics or something, some piece of artwork, well, there's a gazillion different ways. Every person on this planet, we have a different um, perception of something. Perception is everything. I believe that, right? So Mm -hmm. what you may look at, it may look blue to you, but when I look at it, it may look purple. That's a very simple example, right? But so if if a group of people who are Egyptologists or studiers or, or researchers look at a statue, right? Well, they can interpret this. That can be interpreted in so many different ways, including timelines, including stories. And I mean, really, like a lot of things, do we really, 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 and this isn't a question, it's rhetorical. Um, do we really, really, really know what happened here? Um, what I think the problem is here is, for example, and I've said this a lot about Robert Schock's work, Dr. Schock's work, has been that 
what he put out there would piss off their tourist trade. <laughs> it's as simple as yeah. that, right? It's gonna get, it's gonna yes. make, it's gonna make things tough for their tourist trade there, which is I understand is their number one source of income. Go ahead, Anne. I, I don't necessarily think that would piss off the tourist industry. It pisses off the academics because it forces them to have to rethink and rewrite their textbooks and what they well, they built their research on. And I agree, that's a whole. I, different I think side. tourists don't care how old. They, I think it'd be, it's even more of a draw to be like this thing is so old, awesome. It's you know I I think people are in awe when they go see these things no matter what yeah but i know the tourist industry it's very important to egypt it's the majority i think of their income in that country yeah, and yeah. people like Zayawas in the past gets really offended when people say ancient aliens built our pyramids because he he's like my people my built people these. built it. yeah he was very proud of yes. it. and so yeah and i do i i do i do think i know we talked touched on this earlier that well what if the Egyptian people were given like ideas from their alien gods or something well, like yeah, that. And it's fun. I don't know. But it's... I do think it was human ingenuity that built these things. And I agree with Hawass and anybody in, you know, at the Egyptian antiquities that, you know, are proud that our people built this in the past. Yeah. yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, I, I don't. Yeah. That was my thought. Bob. <laughs> yeah. But no, and carry on. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> I, I, just one more thing here. Yeah. I mean, and I agree with you, Amber, 100 percent on mm. that. And it's not just tourism. It's um, it is academia. I mean, and uh Stephen, tell me this. I mean, this is something I've said for years. I understand this idea that if you spend your entire career working on a theory or an idea that explains the greater thing, let's say, of the Great Pyramid, here's what I've spent 30 years working on, and here is the text that I've put together to explain why and how the Great Pyramid was built. Here's the, here's the whole thing. And then somebody comes along 30 years later after you're done with all this work and basically makes one statement that uproots every single thing you've worked on for the last 30 years. Um, that's where the debating, I guess, comes from, correct? It is, but uh, that's that has happened in the past, uh, certainly. Uh, you, you, you said that earlier you can't, you know, you, everyone can interpret something a different way. Yeah. And that's true. But we are discussing the Great Pyramid on a technical level. Yes. And uh, you can determine uh, a lot more in, in a technical level than you can when you say, oh, their religion said this yeah. or the Pharaoh did that. Exactly. Because uh, you can use the scientific method. They have casing stones on the Great Pyramid. Egyptologists say how they were built by using hand tools to make extreme precision. Well, that's a hypothesis. What you could do if you were an Egyptologist was use the scientific method and make a casing stone. And if you did that, all of these alternative researchers would go back into the woodwork. But Egyptologists won't do that. Well, uh, and, yeah. and Egyptologists won't move a 70-ton payload up a dirt ramp to, say how it to show how it was done. That's why there's so many alternative ideas about people using a magic wand or <laughs> worshiping crystals or whatever. So uh, the, on a technical level, you can determine something much more uh, viably than just by interpreting things. Like I can say how American Indians made arrowheads and I, I can give a story about that i can say well they used soapstone and carved it with a pocket knife well that that's not a very good uh explanation <laughs> because it's inconsistent with the direct physical evidence yeah, yeah but other people in modern times can nap uh the stone 
and make arrowheads that are just like the original uh, arrowheads of American Indians. So uh, using the scientific method and demonstrations uh, are uh, a wonderful thing, even in studying uh, distant antiquities. Well, you know, and I think people want to believe in magic, Stephen. I, I, I think I, I think uh, people, you know, well, we have a lot of movies. We have a lot of, uh, we, you know, we have Hollywood that, that makes things happen in front of our eyes we thought we could never see, right? And I get that, yes. and it's fun. And I think, again, people want to believe in magic, and they want to believe that somebody was able to hum a certain frequency <laughs> and make a stone, make a 70-ton stone rise and move by itself. Or, yeah, somebody waved their magic wand. They, they had a way of waving a magic wand, and it would make the stone rise and, and put itself into place. And, I mean, and again, I'm not – I'm coming at this from a place of respect, too, right? But – I, you know, I work, in, I work in technology. I work in a technical field myself. I understand, like I said before, that's why I, I, we started this conversation with that. With I understand what collaboration is and the power of collaboration with people mm-hmm. and, and wonderful things that can be done when people direct their energy at something, right? And that's not magic. It, it may look like magic after a while, but it's not magic. Mm-hmm. Like you just said, mm-hmm. it's, it's from a, and this is what this whole thing is, is it coming from a technical standpoint. How does it re- how was it really built, right? How 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 did they move a 70 ton stone? And 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 it can be done, I think. And that's what the whole point is here, I think. It's just it can be done from a technical level. And that's why I said this a minute ago too, Stephen, um, about this interpretation thing. About how it's very easy that somebody mm-hmm. could just look at a look at a statue and say, Well, this is what happened and, and interpret mm-hmm. it their own way. But let's actually, and this is what you guys are doing, this is what should be done but more widely, is let's reproduce this thing. Let's build a lab. Yes. Let's build a lab here and prove once and for all how this thing was actually built. Or let's just say how it was built, right? Um, right. And Egyptology will never do that. I don't understand why. I mean, I do understand why, but I don't. <laughs> <laughs> there's, well, there's several reasons uh, because uh, based on their authority, they can declare edicts instead of engaging in the scientific method. And also, uh, the reason why is because uh, their answer or their explanation is uh, both invalid and impossible to demonstrate. Just like you can read about cows jumping over the moon, but nobody really demonstrates how cows jump over the moon. That's true. And their, their explanation is just, just as ludicrous and impossible as cows jumping over the moon. So that's why it's never demonstrated. They just declare edicts. And Egyptology is also in crisis just because of that. Uh, Sciences come and go. Uh, There was a science phrenology that uh, talked about the bumps on your head and character traits. (laughs) Well, it went away because it could not withstand the rigors of the scientific method. And Egyptology uh, will... uh, possibly, in some regards, suffer that same fate because they adhere to falsehoods, if you will. And uh, phrenology used to be taught in colleges as fact, and now Egyptology is taught in colleges as fact. But their their ideas in terms of pyramids and other things are simply, you know, untenable. It, it not... It just can't be done in the real world. But if people are the same now as they were in the distant past, you have that uh, constant. And you could use people 
to do the same thing to create the same results, which is a scientific method. Mm-hmm. But uh, they will they will never do that. So it's it's a strange situation we're in right now. I keep using this example. Um, I've been using it for a while now. I mean, I I'm a big Star Trek fan. I love the original series, and I remember I still watch it to this day. And watching two people be able to have a conversation with audio and video together, talking mm-hmm. back and forth, and they're able to see each other on a TV set, right? That idea blew my mind as a child. I'm like, that's the coolest mm-hmm. thing ever, right? And now we're here in 2000, uh, 2020, uh, for better or for worse, <laughs> this year. Um, <laughs> but we have devices that are literally the size of, you can put them in the palm of your hand, and that's exactly what they do, right? And yes. it goes back to this idea I said before of magic. Some people, they just think it's magic. Um, where, as we both know, it isn't magic. It's 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 collaboration. It's it's a lot of technical things that are done. It's a lot of it's coding. It's a lot of things being brought together to make that signal go from one device to another. Right? Um, it's not magic. It's as simple as that. And that's that. This whole idea is based on that. I think I love this idea. And I think people, you know, you, we talked about infrastructures also and things like that. And I think people. And again, I'm not. I'm not beating up on people here, but people just neglect stuff like that. They neglect running water. <laughs> that that yeah. just comes out of a pipe. You 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 have yeah. this structure you live in, and it has water that's hot and cold. It's it's two mm-hmm. temperatures. <laughs> yeah, whatever and you it want comes out of the the pipe by yeah. your sink. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, and and not only just one like the sink you have it in bathrooms and and, and the outside and you can water mm-hmm. there's all these things and I think a lot of that stuff's neglected just like you know the fact that you can talk to someone uh, on your little your little smartphone now and look at them at the same time it's all very much neglected I think and I think that idea of the of getting to the roots and getting very technical about things that idea appreciate is that yeah it's it's not it's it's neglected too I think. People think everything's just magic now. Well, and it's perplexing that we can hold something like a smartphone in our hand and have this nanotechnology and all this stuff that's in our world now and then be really dumbfounded as to why the pyramids got built. Like, right. why, isn't, isn't that odd? Yeah, that we're just like, we can't figure it out. Like, it, And I know there's like elements of lost technology and stuff, and, and, and the general idea for so long has been that all of our ancestors were kind of more stupid than us. So how could they have done this? No, how could they have you primitive. Know, figured yeah, they're primitive? Yeah. They're primitive. They're, they just, they were primitive, yeah. but we can't figure out what they did, yeah. and we can't duplicate it. So uh, yeah, it's it's a strange world. But yeah, people now uh, think that uh, they can put an app on their phone, and they think they're technically uh, you know sophisticated. I know people that say, "Oh, uh, your your explanation of the Great Pyramids wrong on a technical level," but they can't even lift the hood of their car <laughs> yeah. you know it's just or they think food comes from the grocery store yeah, yeah. and you know it's it's an odd world and and we're not uh, generally technically inclined we just uh, you know reap the benefit of this yeah but it's interesting in the 1830s they built the erie canal it was a when built it was four and a half feet deep but the barges could handle 70 ton payloads wow so uh in the 1830s people could move 70 ton payloads all the time yeah you know but now egyptologists can't move 70 ton payloads (laughs) well you know know, 
you've strange. Yeah, it is strange, and we've kind of touched on this a little bit, but I kind of want to go directly at it, um, if we could. Um, as far as the assembly process of the Great Pyramid, I mean, I want to go head on into this. We, I think we've kind of danced around it a little bit, but and, and let's can we just chat about that for a minute? As far as what, I mean, what your idea is of the assembly process? We've talked about it a little yes. bit, but I want to go head on into it if that's cool. Yeah. All researchers and Egyptologists acknowledge that barges were used in the construction of the Great Pyramid. Mm -hmm. Many of the quarries are across the river, so they put the stones on barges. But we think that uh, the original builders, who were geniuses, had a, provided a supply of water at the building site. And uh, that's, that's a whole other discussion, how that was done. But yeah. they had water up there, a supply of water. Mm -hmm. So they built water locks, like those in the Panama Canal or the Erie Canal, from the Nile River all the way up to the building site. And uh, the first stones set in place were the casing stones for mm -hmm. the first level, if you will. Yeah, yeah. So they brought those stones up these water locks effortlessly and set them in place, and that made a square wall that was about four and a half feet deep. Uh, because that's about how high the first level of casing stones are. Okay. So they fill that enclosure with water, and the water locks were allow allowed stones to go all the way up and into that square pond, if you will, if you can imagine that. And uh, they would move the uh, the next stone set in place, where the interior stones for that level, and they moved them from the barge and into the pond, if you will. So when that pond was filled with stones, the first level of the Great Pyramid was completed. And then they, uh, the next stones to be set in place were the next layer of casing stones on top of the first layer. And uh, they would set them in place. And uh, though all those casing stones were bonded together with a strong bonding agent. And uh, they added additional water and and the pond, if if you will, the level of the pond was higher now. Yeah. And the water locks, they allowed water. The water locks were such that they could go all the way up and into that pond. So without strong back muscles, they could move these stones all the way up to their final destination. And that process continued level by level until the Great Pyramid was completed. And our video series shows that uh, to, in great detail, that uh, construction process. And that makes perfect sense because if, if we're in Michigan and we have something called the Sulocks up in the yeah, UP. Yeah, we were there last year. And yeah. if you sit there and you watch these massive ships and barges come in mm -hmm. and you watch the whole process of these massive ships rise with just the use of water in these yeah, locks, yeah, yeah. it mm -hmm. totally, you're like, yeah. Anything can be done with this system. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's a slow process. It, yeah. It, and it, then we know, I, I think we can accept that it was, a, like the pyramid was built over a long span of time. Well, yeah, that's what, that's, what, what are your thoughts on that, Stephen? Like, how long do you think it took them to complete this project? Most people say 20 years, but I'd say closer to seven or eight. Really? Because water locks can operate 24 hours a day, uh, seven days a week, and uh, a ramp you need uh, sunlight, if you will, but they can't move them that way anyway. So it was quite, I think it was quite rapid, believe it or not. Um, so, uh, seven or eight years. 
That's the first time yeah. I've ever heard that. I, I mean, I've obviously heard 20 to 30 years. That's been yeah, kind of the no. Um Yeah. Tw- the people that say 20 to 30 years, if they were responsible for building the Great Pyramid, it would never have been built. Wow. Because Egyptologists, uh, you know, can't move a move or make a single stone, if you will, a full-size stone. So, uh, go ahead. So, yeah, it was very, very, believe it or not, I think it was quite rapid. So, uh, that's the way the geniuses do stuff. Right. (laughs) It it just seems. I want to go back in time. I want to go back in time. And I just, I want to like see what's going on there. Uh, Stephen, how many times have you been to Egypt? I've been there once. We were going to go in February and, and lead a tour to egypt uh, but uh, the coronavirus <laughs> uh made that trip uh, impossible we had to cancel it and uh it's too bad but when things things get a little bit better and there's no travel restrictions we'll be leading a tour so uh we'll put that on our website yeah and it would have been it was like a 14 day tour so it was going to a whole bunch of different sites and going up and down the nile and all of that and old Cairo and have, have a lot of fun besides uh-huh. just looking at the pyramids. What was it? What was your first, like, re- like your initial response when you saw the great pyramid for the first time? Well, when I first saw it, it was, uh, just, a, a, a mind altering experience yeah. and, uh, not, not just the size of it and complexity, but just the, uh, you know, wow, my, my ancestors did that. Yeah, you know, and to how uh, proud I was, but also uh, the size of the components are beyond human scale to move efficiently, if you will. So, uh, you know, it was just odd when we build a hydroelectric dam. The size of the component is a a uh, what a molecule of concrete. <laughs> yeah, you know, you get what I'm trying. Yeah, to totally. Say? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But they used. They use massive, uh, you know, stones that uh, is hard, hard to believe. It's like, it's like us having automobiles with no wheels and we just move them with our back muscles to where we want to go. You know, it's just yeah, almost yeah. nonsensical. It's a good analogy. The, the way they did stuff, the opposite of we would do. And of course, it's ultra modern with no ornamentation. You know, there's no r- formal writing on it yeah. at all. And, you know, there's no columns or pillars or anything like that, like Roman architecture. So it's uh, uh, massive and then built to last forever type of thing. So it's it's just uh, it's just amazing. I yeah, I uh, recommend people go to Egypt, you know, at least once. It's it's different. It's a different place. The people are friendly, you know, the. The uh, when I was there, things were quite inexpensive, and uh, compared to like going to New York or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it was it was just wonderful. So uh, it's uh, it, it's hard it's hard to say, you know, just how impressive the uh, the pyramids really are. Yeah, the thing I, we've actually talked a couple times. You know, we we actually went as far ourselves here to look into doing something like go out there for, you know, a two week, you know, excursion and, and do a tour. Uh, of course, now as we're, as you've already said, like everybody we've talked to for the last this year on this show, they, we all had wonderful plans this year <laughs> and they all got derailed, unfortunately. Oh yeah. Um, uh, it's one of those things yeah. I know, I know that 
I, and I've thought about that, like, you know, seeing something like that. I've met, I think we, Amber and I have been lucky enough to meet a handful of celebrities in our well, life, and that's pretty cool. No, and I think you're thinking the same thing I was, that seeing structures like that is like the equivalent of meeting a celebrity. It is. It's like meeting a celebrity. <laughs> like, whoa. It, it is, you know, and, it, and there's no no other place like it. So uh, I was going to go with a co-lead co the tour with another person, Barbara Jean Lindsay, who does a talk show and uh, – more on the spiritual side of things mm -hmm. so it would have been a good match and her website is barbaragenelindsay.com cool. but uh it uh, was uh wasn't meant to be but hopefully we can reschedule it if you need a co-host for your tour let yeah. me know <laughs> hopefully 2021 pans out to be pans out better than 2020 has maybe we can actually go do something next year w one question i did have though concerning the construction i want to step back to that for a second here sorry i can't I'm, I'm moving us all over the map here unfortunately but um so we thought you talked about how it was assembled right uh we you know yes. with the lock system and barges um what about what about the chambers though? As far as you know, the shafts we know about that are clearly there, and what they call the king's chamber and things like that. I mean, how would that take? How would that be part of the actual? I mean, and again, this is a, it's a spitball type question, but I'm curious what your thoughts are on that. Um, how would they work that in? Because everything I've heard and read was okay. Well, those were not carved out; they were part of the assembly, like the the blocks mm -hmm. that were put into place actually were carved before they were put into place so it was all done with that type of precision right i was wondering what your yes. thoughts were on that Stephen. uh they were uh, built those uh, passages and chambers uh, king's chamber queen's chamber and the grand gallery were all built uh during construction level by level so uh when they were at the level of the floor of the queen's chamber then they they put it in yeah, and then and then they would put in the walls of the queen's chamber, you know, the first stones and then the next stones above it, and so it was all a process, level by level, and the same with the grand gallery and the king's chamber. Yeah, yeah. And uh, our video series depicts how those stones were uh, set in place, including the largest stones, the uh, ceiling stones of the king's chamber. When they got done with the walls of the king's chamber, then they. Uh, they set the ceiling stones on top of the walls as they were building the structure uh, level again, level by level. Mm -hmm. So it's a, uh, it's a fascinating construction process for a fascinating building to be sure. And uh, <laughs> I hope people watch the video series and visit our website at thepump.org. Yeah. We'll, we'll link those up on our site and we'll, we'll post those on our Facebook and stuff. And um, I, I just think what, okay, you know, there's a theory that there's a hidden chamber underneath the paw of the Sphinx and that there's potentially documents or things in there, whatever. We don't know. But what if down the road they actually discovered the schematics on how the pyramid was built? How? What, what kind oh. of – that would be like gold. How cool would that yeah, be? Yeah, yeah. They had oh, to, that would be. Oh. That, that would be nice to uh, set – set this all to rest and uh, make a definitive uh, conclusion as to how the great pyramid was built and that's that's certainly a possibility so uh, i hope that happens either the in the hall of records yeah beneath the sphinx yeah, that's what it was or somewhere else but uh if uh, someone like zui hawass found that oh he would it. never see the light of day well and, and even with so, people who think about free energy 
like that how that that gets squashed because there's no money in free energy or things yeah. like the pyramid that are you know highly productive and can pump out this energy at a, at a low cost even like that that you know you're gonna squash that you're gonna hide it well and, th- well, that's, what my and big, that's a whole other like that's probably my, conspiracy theory but what no that's that is one of my issues i have with this whole thing though is we have this structure that we just talked about for the last 55 60 minutes right uh-huh. uh and it's it's there's no doubt anybody listening to this show right now uh, uh, the impact how how massive this structure is how amazing this structure is and you mean to tell me that somewhere there's nowhere anywhere there's no documentation there's no mortgage agreement I mean whatever the hell it is <laughs> and there's nothing anywhere that talks about maybe even maybe even on a high level about how these things were actually built right there's nothing anywhere documenting anything like nothing and that and that's kind of that that's what I, kind of bothers me a well, little bit well and i can accept the fact that a lot of time has passed and things can get mm-hmm. lost and you're destroyed right. you're right Look, yes. who's to say that the schematics weren't sitting in the library of alexandria just on a on a shelf somewhere and then boom Correct. that thing burns up and we're like well that sucks wah, 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 and it's just burned <laughs> like yeah. what are you going to do i mean this stuff could truly that kind of documentation could truly be lost because they had papyrus they they had their hieroglyphics they yeah. drew stuff out they knew how to well, write saying, there was so, much documentation so someone already. they had they could didn't just take a stick and draw like the design in the sand and then it blew away every day like you had right. it was it was definitely written down somewhere and but it could be lost but it I don't know. again time machine. Yeah, it's, it's time machine. frustrating <laughs> studying the great pyramid is like uh putting together a jigsaw puzzle with many of the pieces missing yeah and we just have to uh the challenge of modern researchers is to understand what the original people uh, did and uh and why they did such a thing so that's that's the challenge of uh, modern day researchers yeah and it, they may be burned up they may be gone like yeah. you said amber they, they may still be somebody oh they could still be out there somebody somebody may Ugh. be a relative of a relative of a relative of a relative down the line to somehow come into possession of something, they, and they just have it put away somewhere, right? I, it's in the Vatican. Yes. It's in the Vatican Library. No, no, it's 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 maybe in Stanley Hooper's basement in somewhere in <laughs> Iowa somewhere, uh, and somehow, uh, yeah. and by some well, weird we, stance of, of of events, like Stanley it ends up in his Hooper. basement next to his wedding photos. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, I well, mean, the great the great pyramid gives up its secrets very slowly. And uh, we, we, you never know, something like that may become uh, available, and it would be a wonderful thing, certainly. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, as far as your books are concerned, where, where are they sold? I want to know. I want people, because I want people to, I want, we'll talk, let's talk about the books for a second. Where are they sold, actually? Well, you can get them from Amazon.com. Uh, both of my books are in softcover or Kindle ebook format. Yeah. And the first one is titled Lost Technologies of the Great Pyramid. And it's about how the Great Pyramid was assembled. Mm -hmm. And my second book is The Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine. And it talks about how the water pump operated and uh, why they built such a structure. So uh, the the research has that kind of natural division between how and why. Mm -hmm. So uh, I wrote a book about both. And then I also produced two documentaries, the uh, Building the Great Pyramid Using Water Locks and Barges. Yes. And that's available on Amazon.com mm-hmm. in DVD format. And then also the uh, Great Pyramid Water Pump. And that's uh, 
how the Great Pyramid pumps water and again why why they wanted a water pump and all of that. So uh, those are my books from Amazon and then you can there's links from my website at the Pharaoh's Pump Foundation and the website is at uh, thepump.org. Yes. And then you can go to from there there's links to my Facebook page and YouTube channel. We'll make sure all that stuff gets linked to our website when we put the show up so everybody out there when this show is up and if you're listening to it you can go to ghostlytalk.com. If you're if you're listening to like on you know the one of the weird podcast things that, that's outside of our our spectrum, you can always come to our site and look at all these you know go to all these cool links. Now, one thing I want to I want to mention here before we close. Um, you know, I as I'm listening to this and we're talking about this, and I mean, I, again, I, I mean, and it really hit home with the title of your second book too, The Great Pyramid Prosperity Machine. Um, the Great Pyramid to me, it, it's it's so contemporary and it's thought. It, I mean, to me, it seems like it was so forward thinking if we put it in the context of, of where we are right now as a society, right? And technology mm-hmm. and again, return on investment. And it's such a true thing. Everything that you do in a daily basis, and I'm not just talking about buying stuff. Like you said, I mean, you put food in yourself because you need that for energy to get you to the next meal so you don't just collapse well, And there's over, a positive you know? and a negative return on investment. You know, if I eat apples and bananas and delicious vegetables, it's a positive return versus like delicious potato chips. <laughs> it's going to be mm-hmm. negative, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I... Yeah. There's also the idea of a big return on investment and a, and a small return on investment. I can go to Las Vegas, put a dollar in a slot machine, and win 30 cents. Yeah. Did you know that? Yeah. You get 30 cents <laughs> yeah. back. Yeah. That's, a, that's not a very good return no. on investment. Or I can uh, ride my bicycle across town for a free breakfast, and the free breakfast is a half a slice of apple. Well, yeah. for me, that would be a small return on investment. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Exactly. Or, or you could go to McDonald's and get their uh, Big Mac meal, and it costs seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> small return on investment. Small return on investment. Yeah. Small, I, but you can build the Hoover Dam. Its operating cost yep. for one year is about three weeks uh, of the amount of electricity it makes. So yes. in three weeks, it pays for its operating cost. That's All insane. the rest is pure gravy. Oh, my goodness. Could you imagine every little town out there having its very own pyramid? How cute would that be? It'd be so cute. I can. (laughs) And also in cottage industries, build them for third world countries, you know, for, uh, you know, in Africa and other places that need infrastructure. So uh, I can, that's what I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Twice as many people die every day from malnutrition and not having water to irrigate their crops than died on 9-11. Yeah. Every day is two 9-11s. Oh, my God. And our, our organization wants to at least make that a smaller number. We're, you know, a humanitarian organization. But the funding for redeveloping this technology is our, is our most funding-intense uh, activity, you know, with large-scale manufacturing and fabricating of parts. So that's, that's what we're trying to do is that type of thing. So uh, all donations are tax-deductible. Yeah. And please visit our website. <laughs> yeah. I was going to ask you how the foundation was funded. And, and, and the actual funding is donations. Am I correct? Or is there, is there something else? Well, uh, I'll be honest with you. How does that sound? It's a hard sell. 
you know, <laughs> uh, to co- to corporations and that type of thing because yeah. they have an image and they can't fund uh, departments of Egyptology and then also give us a grant type right. of thing. Yep. You oh, see yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's you a know? conflict of interest. So, right so we're, we're yeah. struggling with funding, but yeah. we've had some people donate some computer equipment and some materials. There's a local guy that's a welder that's been helping us, and that's certainly much more valuable than having an Egyptologist. Right. You know, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that type of thing. So, yeah. uh, But, I mean, just because it's a hard sell doesn't mean that it's invalid. There was a guy... Who said that the mold on bread could help sick people get better? <laughs> yeah, antibiotics. And that, antibiotics. that guy figured out ten- penicillin. Yep. He was Alexander Fleming. And <laughs> it took him 20 years to convince the medical community. You know, they said, oh, we don't need it. Or, oh, it doesn't work. Or, we've never used that. We don't need that new idea. So, uh, yeah. just because something is a, is a hard sell doesn't make it... Uh, invalid you know every airplane originally was experimental so uh (laughs) so it's uh but but we're coming along we're getting some donations we're having some book sales uh that helps and uh we have well washers we have people that have donated their uh expertise we do need help with our website to update that or we uh even accept prayers so and people just just share a link yeah. to our uh, website or to our video series. And we're grateful for that. So uh, we're getting the word out with wonderful people like you and your show. So that's greatly appreciated. That's in effect, yeah. I think, a donation for uh, getting the word out. So I appreciate it and thank you. Oh, no, yeah. The, the, the pleasure and the honor is all ours, sir. I've been, I was really excited. I know Amber was really excited to talk to you about this. And we find this subject not, not, I mean, obviously directed it with what we talked about today, but, but in general, studying this stuff from a technical standpoint is mm-hmm. it's absolutely fascinating. And I just can't thank you enough for taking some time to speak to us, Stephen. Well, thank you both, uh, Scott and Amber. And I appreciate this chance to talk about my most favorite subject ghostly talk